Let's stand and read the word with me real quick. Acts 2.38. We see that's great. Thank you. Then Peter said unto them, what did he say? Repent. And then what did he say? He didn't say, would you guys think about this? Would you guys get a cake? Plan your family to show up? <laughs> would you guys have a celebration? He said, let's do this all together. He said, repent and be baptized. He said, let's do all this at once. In fact, he commanded them to be baptized. Repent, be baptized, every one of you. In what name? For what? There's a reason for baptism. It's not uncommon to see it de-emphasized in our world today, but baptism is very important. Amen. It's part of our salvation process in the sense that ye shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. And so, if remission of sins is necessary, and it's done through baptism, then baptism is necessary. Amen? Now, some people don't believe that, and I'm okay if you don't believe that, but maybe by the time we get done, you will believe that. Because it's very essential that we see the workings of God in a way that we understand how he makes us new. And he says, it says in the scriptures that we're buried with Christ. And so this is the first message preached. And we're, we're at Pentecost Sunday. I don't know if you know that, but this is Pentecost Sunday today. So we thought we would have a baptism Sunday on Pentecost Sunday. And anyone that's here that's not baptized should be baptized before you leave. Because when we feel God's presence and when the word goes forward, there should be an inclusion of we should repent and we should be baptized and we should be filled with the Holy Ghost in this place today. That's what we should do. When the word goes forward, when the message is preached, it should include we should repent and we should be baptized and we should be filled with the Holy Ghost. Speaking with other tongues as the spirit gives us utterance. That is our strength. Amen. Hallelujah. Jesus, help us in this word. Give us your strength. And we pray that you're with us for the rest of this day. And we pray that you give somebody courage to take the step of baptism. And we celebrate it in Jesus' name. And everybody said, Amen. You may be seated in the house of the Lord. You glad you're in the house of the Lord today? Amen. Baptism is commanded. You need to do this, this thing that makes you new. I love new things. Do you like new things? Oh, come on. You know you like new things. The world knows you like new things because anything shiny and flashy, they put in front of you to get you to buy it. They want to sell it to you. So they make it shiny and flashy because we people are drawn to the flashy things, the shiny things, the new things. But when I celebrate the new things and when I say to the church, as I just did, how many love when God does a new thing? Almost every hand raised in here. I even heard a, woo. <laughs> I'm excited about new things in God. How many are excited about road construction? Oh, Patrick, you love road construction? How many are excited about construction dust at work when they're remodeling? Mm. Aren't they doing a new thing? Isn't that, isn't that something they're doing new? See, what happens is we talk about it in church. We love the concept of new. 
But when we get right down to letting Jesus work in our life, show up with a hard hat and say, okay, it's time to get baptized and wash all that away. I'm going to chisel some stuff out of your life. It's going to create a little bit of inconvenience. It's going to create a little bit of dust. There's going to be some new roads you have to take. There's going to be some detours where you used to go here and you used to go there and you used to do that, but you're not going to do that anymore because now you're a new creation in Christ Jesus. Things are going to be changed. There's going to be new pathways made for you. And guess what? All of that is still God doing a new thing, even though it may seem inconvenient and it may not be comfortable. But guess what? Even though it's not convenient and comfortable, it's still awesome because there is a cost to clean up. Amen? I remember whenever I was a young boy, 1989. Yes, I was young. 1989. That's a ways back there, Brother Reese. Uh, were you born at that time? He wasn't even here. He was a gleam in his daddy's eye. In 1989, I remember I was headed into high school and just at the working age, and they were saying, because of the spill of the Exxon Valdez, a big oil tanker that ran aground in, in the Prudhoe Bay, which is not easy to get to in Alaska, Prudhoe Bay, and it put an oil slick out for miles and miles, and it was a devastating disaster. And so what they did is they went around and they said, if you want to work, we need to go and we need to clean the banks. All the banks were covered in oil. There's fish and there were birds that were just covered in oil, and they showed pictures, and they said, if you want to work, you can make twenty to 30000 dollars this summer just cleaning rocks you take this sprayer this system that they have and you just spray rocks all day and clean the oil off and it costs them millions upon millions of dollars to clean up a problem that happened from human error I want you to know that it was expensive it took time it took money it cost them in the media it cost them in their reputation as a company everything they did was to try to make nature better because of all the damage that that oil caused. An oil slick for over 70 miles on the surface of the water. It was devastating. And while they were wrestling and, and while they were tussling with trying to get their reputation back as a clean oil company, they were trying to get people involved and they were paying good money for us to go and work. I want you to know that cleanup is costly, amen? And so we have to understand that when the world moves from calling it sin to just calling it issues, we are no longer impressed with the people that stand and call out that it costs you something to clean up your life. It costs you something to come to God and to change what we are and what we've been. It costs you something and it is expensive to change. But thank God that he paid the price for us on Calvary. Thank God. It was expensive. It took a spotless lamb. It took a spotless man. But praise God in the house of the Lord today that we can celebrate somebody who came and paid the awesome cause of recovering us from our sin and our stains. And he brought us out. Amen. Somebody. Because sin will take you further than you want to go. You know it. And leave you further and longer than you want to stay. And cost you more than you wanted to pay. How many know that's true? How many know you found yourself under God's grace before because you walked into sin and he brought you out? Where sin abounds, 
Thank God there's a cleanup crew. Grace does much more abound. Amen. And Jesus walked this earth and became a man so he could be 100% what we needed for a sacrifice. Though he was 100% God. Sin is a costly cleanup. Cain killed his brother. That was sin. Abraham got drunk. It was sin. Moses was a murderer. But God still used these people. Amen. Lazarus was dead. That's a little rough, but God still used him. Lot's wife went from Sodom to Sodium. Amen? <laughs> I know you've never heard that one before because that's a Pastor Jodon joke. But that was a sad state of sin. Amen? David was an, adulterer, an adulterer because of the fact that he let himself sin. But praise God, David knew that there was a God who could wash him. And he said, Lord, cleanse me with hyssop. hyssop. Wash me white as snow. Make me new in your presence. And he knew God would do it. Sin will lie to you. Amen? Sin will tell you things that are not true. Listen to me. Whatever sin says is a lie. If it offers you comfort, it will give you heartache. If it offers you peace, it'll bring you fear. If it offers you rest, it'll bring you distress. If it offers you hope, it brings hopelessness. Sin will not give you what it's saying it will give you. It's a false advertisement, brothers and sisters. And it will not give you the joy, but it will give you sorrow. It will not give you that happiness. It'll give you sadness. It will not give you love that is promising. It will give you brokenness. Sin, when it speaks, is a liar. And we must identify it and we must deal with it. And the way we deal with it best is to be baptized in the name of Jesus for the washing away or the remission of all sin. We deal with the sin problem not because we can deal with it, but because he dealt with it. And we put his name on our life. And when we do that, we forever claim that baptism. When we walk into situations we didn't mean to, when we walk into things we meant to, hello, somebody. Anybody got a sin that you know you walked into? When we walk into things that we didn't mean to or things we meant to, omission or commission sins, we have a Savior who can recover us because we walk in a baptism of the name of Jesus. It's a dirty job. Few would do it, but Jesus did it for us. Amen. God put on overalls named Jesus. <laughs> I like that illustration. God put on a pair of overalls named Jesus and came and died for us. But there was a name above every name that was put on that baby by the angel and it says you shall call his name Jesus for he shall save his people from their what their sins oh should we celebrate baptism absolutely should we celebrate being buried in a name what a beautiful name we have to put on our lives what a beautiful baptism we have to celebrate there's no day like the day you go down in the name of Jesus I said it's a dirty job and few would do it but he was willing and he was qualified and he was our redeemer. May we celebrate him in baptism. May we celebrate him in the things we do. I was praying yesterday where I like to pray at that speaker over there. I just get with the Lord and I wanted to hear from God. And I felt like he told me some things that I should tell the church. Reese is going to come and he's going to talk to us about some of the technical aspects of baptism. Because he's good at that. But I want you to know that 
the Lord spoke to me, and I feel like preaching a prophetic word over you at this moment. Is that okay? Would you receive a prophetic word from my prayer time? Would that be all right? I want you to know that God wants us to make baptism a priority among the people. God wants us to make baptism a priority in this community. God wants us to make the name of Jesus a priority among his people. Number two, God told me, I believe that God told me while I was praying that he said reaping and revival will be found through your prayer and your fasting. Weeping may come in the may come at night but joy comes in the morning we must sow seeds of tears to reap in joy and i'm wondering is there anybody interested in this week in pushing aside a meal or two and praying and fasting with pastor i'm going to be in colorado in the mountains i don't know what i'm going to do other than just put a backpack on and go pray with jesus in the mountains that's what i'm going to do but i saw a few hands lift them one more time if you're going to pray and fast look around look around these people are going to pray and fast so that we can reap and we can see revival amen somebody thank God for people responsive to a prophetic word thank God in the house of the Lord baptism is God's deliverance and we must remember that baptism is God's deliverance look at Moses leading the people out of Egypt listen carefully some of us have a, have a poor understanding of how God releases barriers in our life. Baptism removes barriers in our life. And the reason why that is, is because when we see Moses walking through the, on dry land and the water piled up on each side, walls of water on each side, the wind blew all night, dried the land, they drove the cattle, they drove the people, and they walked through on dry land. And they were headed to the other side, but here came Pharaoh. Pharaoh decided he was going to pursue the people through the water. Hello, somebody. We have to understand that that was a symbol of Moses walking through the water was a symbol of baptism, washing of the water or walking through the water. So the barrier of water for Moses is the blessing for us. In other words, what I'm saying is when Pharaoh entered into that dry place to pursue the people of God. When the people of God got on the other bank, the Lord had to close that river because in order for Pharaoh to come through that river onto the other side, he would have broken the baptism type and shadow. He would have messed up God's plan because he was taking the people through a symbol of baptism to bring them to deliverance on the other side, on the other shore. And when Pharaoh decided, I'm going after the people, God's said you can't mess with my baptism because it's going to be for the church in the future I have to show the church that there is delivering power in the baptism of Jesus name and if Pharaoh had come through that river he would have had to shake hands with Moses on the other side as his brother but we know that God would not let a man mess up his plan for the earth amen somebody so we know that God closed the river on Pharaoh and the people celebrated because they were delivered through the water. In other words, the barrier of water that stayed up for them is now the blessing for us in baptism. Amen. We have to go through the water. We have to go through the water. Amen. We need to be baptized in Jesus' name. It was symbolic. And you can't mess with baptism. Jesus gives a book of acts account peter preaching he shows up and we look back in matthew 28 19 jesus is about to send up into heaven get ready reese i'm about to hand this to you everybody say get ready reese i know i gave you scriptures i'm not even going to get to them but we got to hurry 
we get to the point where Jesus is getting ready to be lifted up and to ascend into heaven. And he tells his disciples, this is what you're going to have to do. You need to go into all the world, Matthew 28, 19, and preach the gospel, baptizing them in the name. Everyone say name. name. Singular. There was a name ascribed of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Ghost. He's going to hit this in just a minute. You need to baptize them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Ghost. How many know it's a big price to pay to lose the entire Pharaoh's army? How many know it's a big price to pay to lose that much life? If they were messing with the symbol of baptism, don't you think God would be very clear and very important and very specific about the evidence or the specific uh, fulfillment of baptism we're not just talking about a symbol pharaoh coming through water we're talking about people being baptized in water the literal fulfillment of the prophecies fulfillment of all the symbols and types are going to take place and god's going to give one man the message the keys to the kingdom and he's given them to peter and now peter stands up on acts 28 2 and 38 and he's now preaching the message that he was told to go and do from Jesus in Acts 28, 19. So Jesus says, baptize them in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Ghost. So Peter doesn't get up and say, we're going to baptize you in the titles, Father, Son, and Holy Ghost. Acts 22, and you could throw it up there one more time. Acts 2, 38. He gets up and he says the message. Don't you think heaven would stop? Don't you think God would show up and say, this is not my message? Peter got it wrong. He would stop the program if it was wrong. But he lets Peter preach this message, be baptized in the name, there it is again, of Jesus Christ for the remission of sins. And so Peter's on a rooftop in Joppa, and there's a man who's been seeking God, and he needs a, a fulfillment of God's power, and his name is Cornelius. And there's the sheet that comes down. It's a vision that Peter has. God is sending Peter to the gym to preach this same message. Don't you think God by that time would have stepped in and interrupted because Peter is doing it wrong? He's not baptizing in the name of the Father and the name of the Son and the name of the Holy Ghost. Oh, but wait a minute. There is a name. There is a singular name. It is Jesus. Peter's been doing it right all the time. Or God wouldn't have given him the message. God wouldn't have given him the vision. God wouldn't have sent him to multiple nations, multiple peoples. These are Italian people. They had an Italian band, apparently. They were pretty good. They could jam, okay? He was Cornelius of the Italian band. That's what it says in the scriptures. So I'm guessing he had a band. They were pretty amazing. But what happened is God is giving the same man the same message over and over again, even though he heard it in, in Matthew 28, 19. So we know that if God didn't step in to change the message that Peter was preaching, that that message is the correct message. And we must be baptized in the name of Jesus. And if God didn't let Pharaoh mess up the symbol, he won't let Peter mess up the situation. Amen? <laughs> He's not going to let it happen. So we know that this is the way we must go. And I promise you that I will give you everything I own if you can show me one place in the scriptures where there is a recorded incident where they baptized in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Ghost, where they said that over somebody when they were baptizing them. There is no place in Scripture, but I can give you four places in the Scripture where they baptized them in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of their sins. The disciples did it right. 
They spread this message to the entire known world, all the way into Asia Minor and Rome. Peter took it to, Paul took it to Rome. John the Revelator knew it and he, ta- he talked about it and he was the one that lived the longest. But we know this message is the message that saves a soul. We must celebrate the washing of, of the word. We must celebrate the washing of the spirit. But remember, we must celebrate the washing in baptism. Amen, somebody. Go ahead and read Acts 22 and 16 and Revelations 22, 14 and James 4 and 8. You can see that God just does redemption and regeneration. Read Titus 3 and 5. There's washing in the spirit. Read, read Ephesians 5 and 26. It says that we, are, that we are washed with the word of God. Amen. Read in daily washing that Psalms 51, 2 and 7 where David was like, wash me daily. Isaiah 1 and 16 where it talks about we are washed over 50 times in scripture. The word wash is used. I'm grateful that we can celebrate baptism. Amen. Stand to your feet and let's worship the Lord for baptism. Would you do it right now? Would you celebrate baptism with me? Thank you, Jesus, for the power and the might of baptism. Thank you, Lord, for your goodness. Thank you, Lord, for your power. Thank you, Lord, for redeeming us. Thank you, Lord, for regenerating us. In Jesus' name. Reese, give us some technicalities. Amen. Amen. Um, so, uh, just to start off, uh, yeah, you guys can be seated. Thank you. Um, to start off with, I, something came to mind as pastor was preaching and he was talking about the cost. Think of it this way. I heard somebody say once that God himself bankrupted the heavens in order to save your soul. He bankrupted the heavens. The Bible says that he stepped out of glory. He stepped off his throne. He left all of the, the, the wealth and the riches behind so that he can clothe himself as one of us and live on this earth. That, was, that is just it's powerful to me that, to think that we serve a God that is willing to do that. So I want to um, just kind of run through some of the technicalities because there is so much confusion about baptism throughout all denominations and all religions, really. There's so many different ways that people baptize, but I want to show you what the Bible says about it. The first scripture I want to read, I don't think I gave this one to you, Nate. I'm sorry. It's uh, Galatians 3.27. It says, For as many of you as have been baptized into Christ have put on Christ. Okay? That's the one I want to start with, and I want to talk to you about three different things, and I promise I'll be quick. Pastor said I only have an hour this time. So we really got to rush. No, (laughs) he said two hours, so it's okay. No, I'm just kidding. Um, 15 minutes. Uh, One, immersion. Two, the name. And three, the correlation between water and blood. That's what I want to talk to you about today. First off, immersion. The Bible is very, very, very specific about this topic, whether you have realized it or not. There are Bible scriptures that even describe the setting. I didn't include this one, but now I feel like I need to say it, is uh, John 3.23. The Bible talks about when um, John the Baptist was baptizing people. It's, the Bible does not waste ink. The Bible doesn't waste words, right? It specifically says that he was baptizing in this specific city because there was much water. There was much water there. There it is right there. Why would you need a lot of water if you were just sprinkling people? 
He was baptizing because there was much water. There was the ability to walk into this, this body of water and fully submerge. In the Old Testament, I'll hit this in a little bit, but in the Old Testament, when you read the word wash, pastor already pretty much hit it, but when you read the word wash, most of the time, it is a certain Hebrew word, which I will tell you in a little bit, that means to wash or to cleanse the body, head to foot, head to toe, the whole thing. So I want to give you a couple more scriptures. Acts 8, 38 and 39 says, and he commanded the chariot to stand still. This is Philip talking to the eunuch, okay? And they went down both into the water. They went down into the water, both Philip and the eunuch, and he baptized him. And then verse 39 says, and when they were come up out of the water, the spirit of the Lord caught Philip away that the eunuch saw him no more, and he went his way rejoicing. Did anybody catch that? They went down and went up. You got to have a lot of water to go under and come back up. Also, Romans 6, 4, and 5 says, Therefore, we are buried with him by baptism into death, that like as Christ was raised up from the dead by the glory of the Father, even so we also should walk in newness of life. For if we been, have been planted together in the likeness of his death, we shall be also in the likeness of his resurrection. There's something here that speaks out. And I'm sorry to the people who were in youth. I'm using a lot of the same stuff. So if it's repeat, it's still good. Okay, don't worry about it. But um, the thing I wanted to point out is they were buried with him. I believe last baptism Sunday, Nate gave tons of amazing examples of baptism. And one of his that I wanted to kind of give him credit for was uh, when somebody dies, you don't just take a handful of dirt and throw it over them and they're buried, right? That's, that's not good. But when you bury something or someone, you have to put them under the dirt. You have to put them in the ground and fully bury them, right? The same is with baptism. When you're baptized, you have to be buried, not sprinkled, buried in the water which is the symbolism of when Jesus died and was buried in the tomb. So we should die and be buried in the watery grave to signify our identification with Christ. Also, Romans 6 and 5 says being planted together. Again, it hits this idea of being under something. We're planted. You plant a seed under the dirt, under the ground. So we're planted in baptism once again, just as we were buried. And I wanted to read Mark 16, 16. He that believeth and is baptized shall be saved, but he that believeth not shall be damned. So this calls out to a requirement. This is not an optional. And I know that there's a lot of denominations that just say it's just an outward symbol of faith. Nobody has to, nobody has to be baptized. You can do it if you want to. You can still get there uh, without it. But I disagree because the Bible disagrees with that. The Bible says you have to believe and be baptized. It doesn't say believe or be baptized, and it doesn't say believe and if you want to be baptized. That's not what the Bible says. Acts 2.38, just like what Pastor read, then Peter said unto them, repent and be baptized. And, and it also says everyone. Nobody is exempt from this. So immersion is so there, there's more scriptures than just this that deal with it. When you look at Jesus' baptism, he went down in the river 
and came up out of the water. So immersion is to be buried. It's to die to ourselves in order to identify with Christ. Second is the name. There are so many, so many scriptures that deal with this. I don't have time to read them all, but I will give you a bunch. You can read them on your own if you don't believe me, okay? But I do want to read one scripture that I feel encompasses it all. Acts 4 and 12. Neither is there any, neither is there salvation in any other. For there is no, there's none other name under heaven given among men whereby we must be saved. You must be saved in the name of Jesus. Again, just more supporting scriptures, Acts 2, Acts 8, Acts 10, Acts 19, Acts 22. Those are all the scriptures in the book of Acts that talk about baptism. And every single one of them, we read them all individually in youth on Wednesday. Every single one of them say, baptize in the name of Christ, in the name of Jesus, in the name of the Lord. So that what pastor said about about giving everything away if you can find one place in scripture where they baptize in the titles that is a true thing and we'll uh, deal with the Matthew 28 19 here in just a second but the invocation I wanted to specifically say this because it is powerful the invocation of a name also represents the authority behind the name Power and authority are released as we speak the name of Jesus. If you don't believe me, look, Matthew 28, 18 through 19, Acts 4, 7 through 10, Acts 3, 6, and verse 16, and Colossians 3, 17, all talk about the power and authority that's released when you speak the name of Jesus. The name is so important in baptism, and this is something I said in Youth on Wednesday, is that if you go down in the watery grave, but nobody speaks the name of Jesus over you, you just got wet. You just took a bath. The, the name of Jesus is the detergent that cleanses our soul. It's like if you put, if you put your clothes in the washing machine, you're not going to put it in without any soap. The name of Jesus is that detergent that cleanses us. And then there's also power and authority that's released when somebody speaks the name of Jesus over you when you go down in baptism. Jesus, the name of Jesus is the highest name, the most powerful name. There is no other name. Matthew 28, 19, when it talks about uh, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and the Holy Ghost, um, something that we talked about in youth was how the name is singular. Pastor, pastor already hit that. And what's, what's so, the thing about this scripture, let me break it down just a little bit. Pastor and I were talking on Wednesday night about baptism. There is no way on the face of the earth that Jews would have ever thought he was talking about Trinity. There's no way. The Trinity doctrine had not even been invented yet. There was no belief that there are three gods. And Jews certainly did not believe that there was more than one God because Deuteronomy 6 and 4, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God is one. It's one Lord. So when Jesus was explaining this to his disciples, they understood. The problem is, is that we try and 
pick, pick through the Bible and find the scriptures that seem to agree with what we want them to say or what we think they should say. But if you, if you break down, you, you have to break down the original language and I will do that in just a minute. But actually, Matthew 28, 19 and Acts 2, 38 are speaking of the exact same baptismal formula. The exact same. Matthew 28, 19 describes only one name for the word name is singular, not plural. Father, Son, and Holy Ghost are not proper names, but descriptive titles. Those are the three ways that, that God had revealed himself to humanity. There is one proper name to fill all three titles, and it's the name of Jesus. When you understand that Jesus literally means Jehovah Savior or Jehovah has become our salvation, it's easily understood that this scripture is not talking about Trinity. This scripture is talking about oneness, the singular name of Jesus. Not to hit that one too much, but I will... Uh, move on as quickly as possible I want to talk a little bit about the water and blood correlation when it comes to baptism so for this I want to reach back into the Old Testament because the Old Testament is a type and shadow is a physical representation of what happens in our spirit spiritually now so I want to go back to Exodus 38 and 8 and it says and he made the laver of brass and the foot of it of brass, of the looking glasses of the women assembling, which assembled at the door of the tabernacle of congregation. And then I want to skip down. Nope, I'm going to wait. I'm going to wait a second. The laver of water, it's, it represents the second portion of the gospel message. It represents baptism. The laver is a type of Christ's burial and our cleansing and burial in water is proof of our cleansing. That's what this denotes, okay? So Christ is revealed in this particular piece of furniture in the tabernacle as our cleanser. At the altar, we see Christ paying the price for sin. We see the sacrifice of animals is Jesus dying on the cross. The labor of water is our baptism, our cleansing from the sins, at the laver, we see him cleansing us so that sin has no more power over us. You know what's interesting? This is just a side note that I'm going to bring up is that it was made from the looking glasses of the women that brought them, okay? What's really crazy about this, and I don't know, this might be a little abstract, but just bear with me, is that baptism, just our need for baptism reveals to us just like a looking glass that we're sinful but also provides a way of redemption just like the laver had a reflective a reflective outer uh, outer layer so it, it reveals the the dirtiness the the sacrifices that they had to do the blood and the and the sweat and and the gore that was involved but also provided a way to cleanse. So the, the fact that we need baptism reveals to us our sinful condition, okay? When the priest would wash himself at the laver of water, it would be a mixture of blood and water because he just got done sacrificing animals. So he would wash and there would be blood and water in the laver, okay? Blood and water 
flowed from Jesus Christ when he was pierced in the side while he was on the cross. Blood and water are synonymous in baptism. They're together. What happens when we're baptized and somebody speaks the name of Jesus over you, when you go in the watery grave, the blood of Jesus is applied. Water and blood connected. They're one. So I want to read Exodus 30, 19, and 21. I'm sorry, 19 through 21. It says, For Aaron and his sons shall wash their hands and their feet thereat. When they go into the tabernacle of the congregation, they shall wash with water that they die not. So they had to do this, otherwise they would die. Or when they come near to the altar to minister, to burn offering made by fire unto the Lord. So they shall wash their hands and their feet that they die not. And it shall be a statute forever to them, even to him and to his seed throughout their generations. Baptism is not a suggestion. Baptism is a commandment. So the word wash that I said I would get to, I got this from Strong's Hebrew lexicon, which is pronounced rakats, which is to bathe or to wash whole or to wash throughout. So most of the time when you look in scripture and it talks about washing or cleansing or when the Levitical priesthood would perform some kind of ritual and they had to wash their garments, what that's talking about is literally baptism. They would have to fully submerge themselves in water and cleanse it off, uh, cleanse the the dirt and the the grime of, of the sacrifice. And they had to cleanse it from their body. And also verse 21 says, it's a statute forever. This is something that we do. We don't have to be baptized every moment or every time we come into the, to the house of God. We're baptized once because Jesus was the perfect lamb. Jesus was the perfect sacrifice. So we go down in, watery, in the watery grave and the blood is applied to our lives. We no longer need to be baptized multiple times. Back then, the sacrifices weren't good enough. It just pushed the sin ahead one year and one year and one year. So they had to baptize multiple times. But I am so thankful that Jesus died on the cross for me and for you so that now we have a way of salvation. Baptism is so important. Baptism needs to be a priority, just like what you were talking about. It needs to be a priority in our lives. We need to celebrate it. So what I just want to conclude with is immersion, the name, and water and blood are spoken about throughout the scripture. I don't have time to go through all of the, all of the, the scriptural proof, the scriptural evidence. If you, if you want more, feel free to come see me. I'll give you more. I know I gave Seth notes already <laughs> on Wednesday just about all of, all of these things. We have a lot of it written on our youth board if you want to go back there and take a look. But <laughs> So I, I want to thank you so much for your desire and your passion to see souls saved. And I believe if, if we keep fasting and prayer and baptism front of mind, we're going to see so many souls saved and born into the kingdom. Some, the last thing I want to deal with is I want to deal with the fact that some say I've already been baptized 
Do I need to get baptized again? <clears throat> in Acts 19, it says that, and it came to pass, verse 1, Acts 19, verse 1, and I'm going to go downward. If you have your Bibles, turn there real quick. I just want to address that fact because there are a lot of people in this community that have, that have already been baptized. They've already uh, had some sort of confession of faith in their life, and they've been baptized. And I don't know how they would have been baptized. They could have been baptized in the titles or in the name. A lot of churches are beginning to baptize in the name because they're getting the revelation of the name. They may not even fully understand what they're doing, but they're doing it right, thank God, amen? Someone asked me, well, do you you believe this? Do you believe that this person's going to heaven or that person's going to heaven? And I'm like, my response was, I sure hope so. I, I sure hope so. I'm not the one that judges whether they get into the heaven, into heaven or not. But the Bible does say, he that knoweth to do good and doeth it not, to him it is a sin. And we know that sin separates from God. And if you know that God wants us to be baptized in Jesus' name, you have that revelation. And you need to obey that revelation. Amen? Because to know it and not do it is to sin. That's what Scripture tells us. To know to do good and doeth it not. To him it is sin. So in other words, I want to make sure that I, I clarify with us, as Reese has done such a tremendous job of dealing with the technicalities. I appreciate you, Brother Reese. Thank you so much. Um, but I want you to see here in Acts 19, if you have it in your Bible, it came to pass that while Apollos was in Corinth, Paul having passed through the upper coast, it's just talking about Paul traveling, came to Ephesus and finding there certain disciples. These were disciples of John. They were baptized under repentance. John saying, there's one coming after me whose shoes I'm not able to loose. He shall baptize you with Holy Ghost and with fire. And he said unto them, have you received the Holy Ghost since you believed? He said, the Holy Ghost is separate from believing. And then he said, and they said unto them, we have not heard that we have not so much as heard whether there be any Holy Ghost. We didn't know of this Holy Ghost. And so then he walks backwards in their salvation process and said, okay, you don't have that. Let's go back one step and see if you've got this right. So he says, then Paul said, or, or verse three, and he said unto them, unto then, unto what then were you baptized? Or how were you baptized? I want to make sure that it was right. Were you baptized the right way? So it's okay to ask somebody, were you baptized in Jesus' name? Did they call over you the name of Jesus? How were you baptized? What was the way that they did it? Because Paul asked these disciples how to do it, saying unto the people, or, sorry, verse 3, and he said unto them, what then, what then were you baptized? And they said unto John's baptism. Then Paul, the light bulb goes on. Paul goes, okay. I know where you're at in your faith walk. I know where you're at right now. I can help you. Then Paul said, verse 4, John verily baptized with a baptism of repentance, saying unto the people that they should believe on him which should come after him, that is, on Christ Jesus. So he's teaching them. Notice that they were disciples. They weren't just regular people. They were learned men in the word. They were disciples, as much of the word as they had at that point. When they heard this, what did they do? Well, we've got our way of doing it. You've got your way of doing it. We're all good. They didn't say that. They had a humble spirit. And they said, if that is what is true, I want that. If the, and they saw it because he taught them. He said, you know, John, the one that baptized you said, this is coming. And he said, you're baptized. So in verse 5, it says, when they heard this, they were baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. So can you be baptized again if, you've been, if you were baptized before? These folks were baptized previously. 
They were baptized again when they understood the importance of being baptized in the name of Jesus. If you are not sure, the Bible says make your calling and election sure. If you don't know whether you were baptized because you were under the water and you can't tell if they said in Jesus' name over you, you need to make sure that that name was invoked over you at some point. Whether they said in Jesus' name and then laid you down, or they said in Jesus' name while you were under the water. If you have any doubt, any reservation, you're not sure, this scripture right here gives you the right to go back and be baptized again to make sure that everybody that's part of that process knows you need to be buried in the name of Jesus. And it's done right. Amen? So being baptized again is important. So we're going to begin to emphasize, if you've been baptized in the name of Jesus, great. But if you have not been, you should be baptized in the name of the Lord. And when Paul had laid his hands on them, the Holy Ghost came on them, and they spake with what? Tongues. It's not up there. That's okay. Spake with tongues and prophesied. And all the men were about 12. We have 12 of John's disciples getting rebaptized because they re realize the value of the name, the importance of the name. I believe we should baptize somebody today.